Welcome to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham Deweese, and we are back once again with Brian, the Soul Man Solak, and a very special guest this week, one Dave Softy Mahler. How's it going, Softy? How we doing, guys? What's going on? Brian, what is that? Uh, you got some schmutz on your wall behind you. Yeah. <laughs> I get that off there, man. Just for you, my friend. I clean that up a little bit. Man. We got to up the joint, for God's sakes. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Only for you. <laughs> uh, of course, of course, Softy, the biggest uh, Husky fan in the world, the Husky honk himself, and also host of the KJR. Uh, well, you've been pretty much everything, morning, afternoon. Currently, you're the late afternoon. Uh, yeah. I guess they'd call that drive time host, right? Yeah, I guess so, although I don't know how many people are driving these days still. Uh, <laughs> although I liked it a lot better. One of the advantages of the pandemic was uh, either, A, doing the show from home, which I honestly, guys, did not do a lot of that during the lockdown I was going in for the most part every day, but there was nobody on the roads. I mean, it was awesome. It would, you know, what would normally take me 35 minutes to get to work would take 20, get off at seven o'clock, nobody on the road, be home in 20 minutes. So traffic is definitely back, but yeah, I've done, I've done every shift you can do on the radio station, except for the morning show, which I don't know if I could ever pull that off. I'm just not <laughs> a morning guy to be getting up at four o'clock in the morning every day and then taking naps and then getting my stuff done. Chuck will wake up and do his show and then go home and take a nap and not be available to come on with us if we want to have him on talking baseball, whatever, until like 3, 3 30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So, yeah, uh, 28 years and I've done uh, everything from 10 a.m. until midnight, but haven't done the 6 to 10 shift yet. One thing, one thing that I've always uh, enjoyed about your show is you're in the same age range as Brian and myself. And when KJR became a brand new thing, I mean, it really changed the game for sports fans like us. And you were kind of there, uh, you know, at, at the very early beginning. Um, in fact, you went to KJR right out of Bellevue College, didn't you? How yeah, did that come about? Yeah. Well, so uh, KJR became an all-sports station in 91, and I came in 94, uh, March of 94. I uh, was an intern in March of 94 and then got hired officially in November of 94. So I went to Bobby High, uh, and then before I kind of wanted to figure out what the hell I was going to do, was I going to travel abroad? Was I going to try to get into a, a four-year school? I went over to what was then Bellevue Community College. It's now Bellevue College. Um, and I took two years at BCC. And by the halfway point of my second year at BCC, I got the internship at KJR. Uh, and I was kind of on my way. So I just said, the hell with it, man. I'm already in the door. I got a key to the building. Why go waste money on a, you know, four-year degree from UW or Wazoo or wherever? So I just said the hell with it, ended school and went right into the workforce and was doing some small stuff. I was working for a guy named Neil Scott, who I think you guys know. Yes. He's done yes. updates for us on the air for a long time. He actually got me the internship at KJR. He got me into a fantasy football league with a couple of producers at KJR. So kind of started to, you know, make some networking connections there. I uh, did some high school play-by-play -play for a while for Seattle Prep. I was doing broadcasts from Memorial Stadium from the janitor's closet. <laughs> press box. I couldn't even get into the actual press box. I was doing a you know broadcast over a phone from a janitor's closet with mops and brooms behind me. And then I was working on, Neil did an alcohol recovery talk show uh, at night uh, called Straight Talk. And I was t you know helping out with that, kind of just learning the business. So mm. everything was kind of already going for me, you know, while I was in school. Uh, you know, getting a real world experience versus being taught stuff out of a book from 1960. So I just said, <laughs> the hell with it and just ended up saying goodbye to school. And I've been at KJR ever since. Outstanding. Where do you get your enthusiasm and energy from? 
Uh, probably a little bit of ADD, uh, to be <laughs> honest with you, undiagnosed ADD. I mean, I don't know, man, I'm a spaz. You guys know that my wife is always <laughs> telling me to bring the energy down, you know, let's go bring it down a little bit. I mean, me and the dogs are always getting yelled at because we're way too hyped up and way too fired up. So sometimes got a hard time sleeping, right. Kind of calming things mm-hmm. down. Like after a, after a Husky game, uh, like for example, tonight, you know, we got the Oregon game, obviously, and there's been so many freaking night games where I haven't been home until 1231 o'clock in the morning. And there's no way I'm going to sleep. I'm all amped up. Like after the Oregon <laughs> State game last Friday night, uh, you know, too fired up to even, you know, uh, you know, just to hit the sack. So I'll, I'll, I'll stay up and watch the game again or watch highlights or whatever or goof around and then end up, you know, being in bed by three or four in the morning. So I don't know, man, there's a, there's an extra battery. Uh, somewhere inside there. I don't know what's going on, but I'm almost 50 years old. I'm hoping it calms down a little bit. <laughs> I've always I've always wanted to ask, uh, especially that 2008 season, which is, of course, the worst season or worst year for all Seahawks sports. Jeez. Good Lord. How did you keep it up? How did you keep the energy, the enthusiasm, the interest? Because, you know, a lot of fans, we can just stop watching. Right. <laughs> it's your job to keep watching. And some of those, uh, some of those shows you did, you know, especially Husky post game, you know, it's like, you're a professional, man. You were able to keep it together. And how do you do that? Like, well, first of all, I don't know about the professional part. I'm more of just a clown that happens to have a radio job. So I appreciate (laughs) the, uh, the compliment, but yeah, thanks for bringing that up, man. I'm like, uh, I'm like Jack Nicholson and one flew over the cuckoo's nest with a lobotomy at the end of the movie. Just want to get that part of my brain taken out that remembers the 2008 season. Horrible year for the Seahawks, uh, as you mentioned. I believe they went four and twelve that year, five and eleven with Jim Mora. Jim Mora Huskies yep. went zero and twelve. The Mariners stunk, and oh by the way, the Sonics took off for Oklahoma City. <laughs> so that was probably the bottom of the barrel, I think, for us as sports fans in Seattle. I don't know how it could get any worse than it did in two thousand eight. But you know, I mean, look, you know, how did I keep it going? I don't know. I mean, every phone call we took on the post game show was about firing Tyrone Willingham, every single freaking one. And then we go to USC. He got fired, I think, after the Oregon State game. Um, And then we go to USC, and we get beat 56 to nothing, and we could not get a call on the postgame show. Not one. Not even a long number. Because every (laughs) single call that year was about firing Tyrone. Every single postgame call was about firing Tyrone Willingham, which drove Dick Baird crazy because you guys know Baird and firing coaches. It's it's not going there at all. So he would sit it out. Millen and I would talk to the people on the air. But we go to USC, we get beat. Tyrone's already been fired. There's nothing to talk about. And we could not get a damn call on the postgame show. So I don't know, man. I think, you know, just thinking about that year, um, I think Scott Woodward, for the most part, did some good stuff when he was the AD at Washington, but when you fire somebody, you got to just get rid of them. I mean, it's ridiculous to think that you can fire a head coach and say, hey, you can work the rest of the year. It's asinine, right, to think that you can get people to even pay attention when they know the head coach has been fired and on the way out. So that's the one thing I wish Woodward would have done differently is when he fires Tyrone. Hey, look at that. Tony Castricone's calling me right now. I really wish they would have just gotten rid of him and given Randy Hart the job because I don't know about you, man, but one and eleven sounds a lot better than zero and twelve. And yeah. I think they would have found a way to get maybe one win if they'd given the job to Randy. Well, I read that. The reason why I bring up your professionalism is I read that uh, Derek Johnson book, the uh, Bow Down of Willingham, yeah. and it was even much worse than the average fan, you know, oh, yeah. could imagine it. Well, I got happen. stories for you if you want stories about Tyrone <laughs> Willingham. I mean, if that's what you're looking for, I got stories. I remember when we went to. We went to Wazoo for the Apple Cup, and we lost. 
Uh, I know Brian's sad about that. <laughs> that uh, was their only win. That was their only that win. Exactly. It was Wazoo's <laughs> only win that year, and we lost. And we are doing the post game interview with Tyrone Willingham. And back in the day, they used to bring the opposing coach into the weight room to have a little media gathering uh, with the local media. So it's me and all the other Husky people. And Kim Grenells from Dogman <clears throat> is asking Tyrone, are you going to coach the Cal game? Because you guys may remember the Huskies were 0 and 11 and then had a bye before they played Cal. <laughs> so they had to wait two weeks to go down to California to play the bears. It was like, uh, you know, an a extended week on death row before the freaking Cal game started. So you knew they were going to get their ass kicked obviously by California, which they did. So Kim Grenells from Dogman uh, asked, uh, asked uh, Tyrone, are you going to coach the Cal game? And he just gave him a weird look. And I chimed in and said, well, are you? <laughs> and he just walked away the press conference. And then when the season was over after the California loss, we're all gathering to wait to talk to Tyrone. And I look out and he's walking away. He's going up the stairs. He's trying to take off and not even meet the media. So Jeff Bechtold had to go grab him, the SID, and bring him back down to meet with the press. So it was a cluster. An absolute cluster with Tyrone Willingham that entire year. <laughs> wow. Uh, speaking of Wazoo and Pullman, a few years ago, I heard you rode a bike all the way to Pullman. Yeah. Was that for exercise or what was the reason behind that? Oh, yeah, that's exactly why I did that. Yeah, for exercise. <laughs> I, picked, uh, I picked the middle of August, uh, the hottest time of the year in eastern Washington, to go ride a bike to Pullman because <laughs> I wanted to get in shape. No, first of all, back then I was about 260 pounds, number one. Number two, this is the 97 Apple Cup. So Ryan Leaf comes to UW and beats the Huskies in the Apple Cup. I think it was a 42-35 or something like that. High-scoring game. Cougar fans, the morons that they are, tried to pull the goalpost down on the uh, east end zone, but it's in cement, so there's no way they were getting it down. Barbara Hedges allowed the Cougar fans to storm the field. Remember back then, UW had a moat around the field, so they had to have those little bridges, and they would open them up. Yeah, come on over, storm the field, have at it, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So I don't know why they allowed the fans to do that. I still remember the picture in the Times the next morning of all the Cougar fans hanging on the damn goalpost trying to pull the freaking thing down. But what I had said that year, because uh, the Huskies were okay and the Cougars were okay, and Mike Gastineau, who you guys know, obviously, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, said, you know what? You should make a bet with Cougar fans. And if the Cougars win the Apple Cup, you're going to ride a bike to Pullman. And you so bit. He, he, you know, I was only there for three years at that point. said, okay, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> so they lost. And my original idea was to take a flatbed truck and put an exercise bike. <laughs> and just have somebody drive me to Pullman for five hours and be done with it. And I thought, no, if I do that, Cougar fans are going to kill me. So we got a deal with a... Um, bike company in Issaquah, uh, three of us. It was me, a guy from the bike shop, and then a guy named Kenny Byersdorf, Kenny B, who used to work for us back in the day. And so it took us five days. Uh, we went to North Bend. We went to Roslyn. We went to Othello. Um, we went from Vantage to Royal City, if you guys know that drive. Oh, yeah. That's steep hill in the middle of August. It's 100 degrees <coughs> outside. You think about how steep, you know, Snoqualmie Pass is. Royal City is like this. I mean, it's much steeper going up that hill. So that's the only portion of the trip that we did not do because it was impossibly hot. It smelled like cow crap. It was disgusting <laughs> the entire way up there. But once we got to Pullman, I pull in and I got, you know, frat guys throwing, you know, bananas and oranges oh. and avocados and, you know, uh, heads of lettuce, all kinds of crap just pelting me as I would expect when I got there. <laughs> so we got to the Coug and did our show on that Friday night at the Coug. 
and they're just killing me, right? Just boo, just kicking my ass, you know, throwing stuff at me. And I said, all right, fine. It's been 67 years since you guys have won the Rose Bowl. How about the next 67 pictures of Budweiser are on me? And they all went bananas. <laughs> the beer was gone like that. Back then, pictures were like three bucks. So yeah, right. that big a deal. But I had to bribe the Cougar fans with beer. Otherwise, the mob was going to freaking, you know, tar and feather me the time I was there. I do want to talk about your weight loss, uh, if you're okay with that. I mean, uh, I, I actually got to um, meet you uh, post uh, post pregame show, uh, and uh, I I thanked you. Your story is pretty good. I mean, it's really uh, interesting to me. You know, anybody who uh, likes to take a little extra nibble off a Snickers bar now and then. Oh yeah. And um, how what precipitated uh, what precipitated that and uh, uh, the willpower? You seem like a person who has a lot of uh, you know focus and drive to achieve yeah. what they want to achieve. How did I that don't have out? a lot of willpower, by the way. There's no question about that. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what motivated me, and I'm actually looking for a picture of what I looked like before I lost the weight. Um, but you know, I mean, you get the point. I, uh, Ian Furness was doing a deal with a company called 3010 Weight Loss for Life, and yeah. he lost a bunch of weight. And he came into the building one day and just looked phenomenal. And so I told myself, you know what? I'm 270, 265, whatever it is. I got to drop some LBs, man. This is ridiculous. So he kind of motivated me to do it. Uh, it took me six months. I got the weight off uh, and I haven't put it back on. So that was me right there oh, wow. uh, okay. before I lost the weight. So that's about that's about 65 pounds ago. I've, I've put on about five or 10 of it since the pandemic, obviously. Yeah everyone's going to gain a few pounds. So you find a weight, you know, you get down, I was down to like 183. I was probably too skinny to be honest with you. You know, my wife would tell me I look like I'm sick for God's sake. So <laughs> I, I like to kind of hover around the mid nineties, you know, maybe low two hundreds if you know, like the holidays right now range. So it's important, man. And you know what, really, I mean, anybody can do it. And just, you know, guys like me that are friends of mine that I play golf with that like to drink beer and eat a lot of pasta, things like that. Cut out the carbs. You know, you like to drink, you know, I, my go-to is I like the Tito's and the, and the soda or the Tito's and the flavored water. Yep. So there's no carbs or sugar and something like that, but it's not hard. It, it really isn't. All it takes is just a little bit of fucking willpower. Sorry. To be honest. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> focus on it and to actually do it for a couple of weeks. And it's not really that hard to do it. This is a hard time of the year to do it because of the holidays and all the damn snacks around. But once the year starts, I know a lot of guys out there in gals will uh, go for it. So, so I, just am, really... I, am, I am proof that it's possible. If I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> so it's really the carbs and the sugar. That's Absolutely. Mm. No, you got to eat protein and veggies, man. Get rid of the bread. You like I, I, I eat a lot of burgers with lettuce wraps now instead of buns. Mm -hmm. I hardly ever eat pasta, which I freaking miss because I love Italian food. I love pasta, man. My mom's spaghetti and meatballs. My dad, before he passed away, used to make the best lasagna in the world. So stuff like that is, is really hard to put down. But that's how you pack the pounds on for sure. I want, I want to go back to the late 90s. First of all, leading up to it, growing up, I was a Husky fan. I grew up in North Seattle. I have great memories with my father, listening to games, going to games, and then I went to Wazoo, of course, for the education. I know. Yeah. <laughs> for, the, uh, but... for the parties in the wheat fields, you mean. I was going to say, what kind of education, man? <laughs> Girls or, or books? <laughs> I got a degree in hotel restaurant management, but that took quite a while. <laughs> Anyways, um, I was a Husky fan up until the late 90s when Barbara Hedges and hired Rick Neuheisel. And long story short, shit hit the fan and... 
did it Mike I guess my question is they turned away seemed to turn away a lot of people from liking the Huskies loving the Huskies did it ever fully recover yeah. I mean, can, can it ever fully be what it was back in the 90s and yeah before? I think I mean it's a great question man and we've talked about that many many times that you know just think about where Husky football was in the 60s with Jim Owens and the 70s and 80s under Don James and you know Hugh and I have talked about this before that like think about for example where Navy and Army football used to be way back in the day you know with guys like Roger Staubach and think about where Minnesota used to be when Minnesota was a powerhouse in the 60s and they never recovered SMU never recovered programs like that fell apart and I don't think that's going to happen to Washington to be honest with you but I think it's it's really hard to get it back once it's gone because people just have way more options now. I mean, you've got hockey, you got soccer, you got the storm. The Seahawks are obviously killing it. You got baseball now uh, that's, you know, getting kind of some enthusiasm back in Seattle. Freaking video games, the internet, all these different podcasts like yours and streaming television shows. There's so much to do, there's so much to occupy your time that if you're not giving people a reason to be engaged, it's very easy for them just to walk away and say the hell with it. And I think UW football for a long time there, as you said, Brian, did not give fans a reason to be engaged. Boy, I always get irritated when people talk about how pissed off the fans are. Well, the fans, so what? Who cares? As long as they're engaged, like the Mariners, right, for example, right. the last couple of years before this run, yeah. they should have been on their hands and knees thanking God that people even gave a, gave a damn enough to be pissed off about what was going on over there. The fact that they had made the playoffs in 22 years and we're still averaging 25,000 people a game last year is amazing, right? <laughs> so I don't care how you're engaged. As long as you're engaged, it's just like my show. Listen to the podcast. Turn on FM radio. I don't give a damn why you're tuning in as long as you tune in. It doesn't freaking matter to me. So I think UW football just has to get back to a point where they matter to the younger generation again, where they matter to the people in Seattle. And the only way to do that is to win a lot of games. And that's starting with games like today against Oregon. You win this game and all of a sudden you're going to start turning some eyebrows and, you know, you know, uh, get, getting people to focus. So I don't know, man, uh, Brian, I'm totally with you that it's just, it's, it's hard to stomach for me sometimes like this Oregon rivalry, you got guys <laughs> in their late twenties, early thirties that have no clue what it's like to not get destroyed by Oregon every year. You know, Washington wow. is six and 20 against the Ducks in their last 26 year, you know, games against these guys. So there, there's there's people that don't know any different, right? I mean, yeah. we may you know, know back in the day, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, it wasn't even a big deal to beat Oregon. Now it's completely flipped. So it gets my blood going because it makes me sad that Washington football is getting the crowds that they're getting. And it makes me sad that Washington football is not as important as it was, but there's also now a lot of damn competition for sure. Yeah, no, that's that's pretty interesting because uh, I heard you on a Portland show podcast, Kanzano, uh, and um, you mentioned yeah. you mentioned that, and I thought to myself, you know what, Bef a little a little Abraham, you know, back in the eighties, only thought of Oregon, you know, in the respect that didn't Dan Fouts once go there, you know, before our oh, time, God. yeah, yeah, <laughs> way before our time. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, they were just the guaranteed W. Um, well, and then, you know, yeah, I, I mean, it, totally. Rondo was on our show on Thursday, and I was asking him, you know, how did Don James approach the Oregon rivalry? And he said, really no different than he would any other team, you know, because mm -hmm. the bar then was USC, 
right? Right. The yep. bar then was the Apple Cup because Don made the Apple Cup a really, really big deal. Even the UC- bar then was even UCLA, was even UCLA with Donnie. Absolutely, UCLA. The bar then was yeah. beating Michigan in the Rose Bowl, right? Yeah. And Oklahoma mm-hmm. in the Orange Bowl, and and things like that. So. You know, John asked me for my favorite wins over Oregon, and I was like, okay, well, I don't know, 2016 was fun. 2002, 2003, when they hung 40 back-to-back, and Braxton Clement brought out the Northwest Championship thing down there in Eugene. Uh, That was pretty fun. Reggie Williams had a big game, but growing up as a kid, when I was 10, 11 years old, you don't really remember any of them because they never were a big deal, right? Right. (laughs) They never stood out, so... Obviously, if they win today, it's now become a different story. And it makes me sick to admit it, but it's true. <laughs> quite, quite a question for you. What did a little softy, a little softy back in the back in the 80s, what what precipitated the Huskies as your favorite? Uh, yeah. Well, here, let me show you a picture real quick. So this is not exactly a little softy, but this is me at the Kingdom, I think, when I was probably about maybe 15 years old. Right oh, there. Okay. You guys see that? Yeah. Uh, that's 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 the dome. Obviously, he had many many games at the dome, as I'm sure you Wait, guys. That but. that picture is with a number eighty, but that's not. That's not Steve Largent. That's some to, guy how is that Steve not Largent? Largent? Uh, that's some guy wearing a Steve Largent. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank what that is. That's just some guy who decided in, to wear a. Drink. In my head, I'm like, is that <laughs> Sam Atkins? <laughs> yeah, that's not Sam Atkins, but I'll show you another one here. If I can get this off the wall, let's see here. I might break my leg trying to do this, but let me get this one off the wall. I'll show you. Ha! Come on! There you go. So that that's that's those are the guys that you're talking about. Jim Zorn. There we go. Here. Okay. There we go. Nice. Guys, right there. But yeah, that's not Sam. That does kind of look like Sam Atkins. That's not, I never even thought about that. But how did I become a Husky fan? Uh, yeah, both yeah. my parents went to Washington. My sister-in-law went to Washington. My brother went to Washington, and my wife went to Washington. Everybody in my family went to Washington except for me. I couldn't even get in if I tried, and I didn't even try. It's like I said, I was already in year two of junior college and was already hired at KJR, but. I mean, how to become a Husky fan? I don't know. You grow up in Seattle. You're a freaking Husky fan. Not anymore. Yeah, not anymore though. Not anymore. It's Seattle's what three, four times larger than it used to be. Um, right. So that's gone. Like, well, you got this cougar fungus that's invaded Seattle. <laughs> obviously. I mean, the problem with you people, Brian, is that none of you stay in Pullman where you belong. You all move back <laughs> to Seattle. Nobody wants to stay there. And then you have all these irritable people from Gonzaga that think that Seattle and Spokane are in the same area and we should all be Gonzaga fans. And I mean, it drives me freaking nuts, guys. Well, I mean, no, that's your, that's your co-host. We're always going yes. back and forth about the Zags. <laughs> he's a big Zag basketball fan. And how a guy who graduated from UW, who proclaims to love Washington basketball, could also love Gonzaga basketball is freaking beyond me. I have no idea. But I'm watching that game last night, that Michigan State game on the aircraft carrier, which was awesome. I love that scene. Yeah, That's a really that cool, was really cool. that they did yesterday on Veterans Day. And people are like, hey, I go, dude, no, no, this is not Seattle's team. You want to put the Cougs in there because there's so many damn Cougars here? Fine, whatever. But, I mean, Gonzaga has like 7,000 students every year at their school. It's a small university. I don't even know any Gonzaga fans besides like two people. And we're acting like Gonzaga is in our freaking backyard, putting them on the goddamn cover of the times when things happen. Drives me freaking nuts, man. So I don't know. Don't even don't even get me started about how how split this city is and how how, <laughs> how soft they are sometimes and how we just want to just embrace everybody. No, you pick one team. You got one college football team, one college basketball team, one baseball team, 
one NFL team, one NBA team, which right now for me is whoever's playing Oklahoma City, one hockey team, one soccer team. <laughs> you pick one country in the Olympics and you move on. That's it. I agree. All these different options. I agree. I hate it. Um, speaking of <laughs> Cougars and Stan and Pullman, I got married and I wanted to stay living in Pullman, but my my wife says, no, we're getting the fucking hell out of here. And what the wife she's says a, goes, man. She's a, smart, she's a very her. smart woman. <laughs> I don't blame her, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really a, a small town kind of guy. So I would go nuts. The only small town I would ever want to live in is like Lahaina, right? In Maui. Yeah. Sure. Outside of that. Yeah. No, I don't blame your wife. Your wife's a smart lady. Yes, she is, but thank you. <laughs> um, I know we, got, we want to talk quickly about the Oregon Ducks, but real quick, I, being the Wazoo guy that I am, who, in your opinion, is Oregon or Wazoo the bigger rival between the two universities? <clears throat> it's a great question, man. We've talked about this a lot, and usually it just depends on who the better team is at that time, and right now it's Oregon over Washington State. The problem with the Washington State game is that, like, Michigan Michigan State play each other early in the year, right, because they play Ohio State at the end of the season. So that's the lasting memory for the Buckeyes and Wolverines is what happens in that game. The problem with the Oregon game is that it's never the last game of the year, right? So if you lose to Wazoo, you get to hear about it. You get to think about it all off season long. We work with these people. We live with these people. Some of us are married to Washington state fans like Dick Fain is his wife is a Cougar fan, went to Washington state. She's also a Cougar who is a Cougar who went to Washington, <laughs> by the way. So, you know, he's got to deal with that. And I got these schmucks on the air. I got three of them and Jim Moore, Jason Puckett, Ian Furness, who were on the air for five hours before I am. And trust me, they will bust my balls if the Huskies <laughs> lose the Apple Cup for 364 days. So it is a little bit different and that, you know, we really are closer to Cougar fans than we are to Oregon fans. You lose to the Ducks, you can just turn it off, walk away and be done with it, man. But I, I don't know. I mean, if you had to ask me, which team would I rather beat? Probably right now, Oregon. I think that would resonate more with Caitlin DeBoer and Husky fans to get that win today. But it's six one half dozen, dude, really, if I'm being honest. Awesome. So, I, moving on to Huskies versus Oregon. I know we got about 15 more minutes with you here. Um, the Is it true that you went to the Seattle Bowl and trolled the Ducks fans? Yes. By wearing yes, I did. Husky gear? That was 2002 when uh, Washington, <laughs> I'll show you another picture, uh, Washington had beaten Oregon, I think it was what, 40, what did I say, 42 to 14, whatever it was that year. Uh, yeah, 42 to 14. And so Oregon was practicing at Bellevue High, which was my alma mater, obviously, for the Seattle Bowl. I don't know how they ended up going there. I mean, there's no, there's no way UW was going to allow Oregon to use their facilities, by the way. <laughs> Um, and so they went to Bellevue High and, you know, me and Millen got an idea together. And I don't know. I mean, it was mostly me that was doing the work because I was the one embarrassing myself. But I walked up and I took my shirt off, <laughs> put a sign around my neck that said 42 to 14. And I awesome. wa walked into the locker room where Oregon was changing. And I saw Mike Bellotti and he sees me and I see him and he looks at me and says, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> So I told that story to New Heisel yesterday. He had never heard that until yesterday. So that's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right on. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had this dream that um, Peyton Henry kicks the game-winning field goal today for redemption yeah. for 2018. Is that yeah. a possible? Is, is that a possibility? <laughs> Well, first of all, nobody wants to hear about your dreams, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Number one. Uh, number two, 
number two, I think it'd be great. You know, the guy misses a 37-yard field goal in 2018, and a lot of people like to blame Peterson for stepping off the gas on the offense a little bit there that maybe he should have kept going, and he should have. There's no question about that. But it's a 37-yard field goal. Make the damn thing, for God's sakes. And I know that that's been in the back of his head forever, you know, since that game. So I, I almost would like to see Peyton Henry win it with a game-winning field goal versus the Huskies kick their ass today, honestly. And, you know, look, I'll take any damn win I can get. And if you had to, if I had to make a wager, I'd say Oregon probably wins today. Whatever. Don't tell anybody I said that. But <laughs> I think it'd be great if Peyton Henry could step up and get some redemption. He's a 50-year guy. It's his last game down there, last game against the Ducks. And, you know, like Jackson Kirkland has never played in a win against Oregon. He was on the roster when they won in 2017, but he was redshirting that year. So, there's a ton of guys that have never played in the game. I don't think Alex Cook has ever played in the game where they beat Oregon either. So this is a big one, man, for sure. So, Softy, I thought uh, ZTF uh, Zion, uh, let's see if I can remember how this is pronounced, Tupolo Fetui. Tupolo Fetui. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> I thought ZTF. It's called ZTF. We all know who you're Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought he was going to be the key to this defense this year, and it turns out more Braylon Trice is. Um, I, I think ZTF, though, is the key to beating Oregon, at least on the defensive side of the board. Uh, right. Just wondering if you uh, have a key to the defense. Uh. Yeah, well, for me, uh, look, that's that's a big one because Braylon Trice and Jeremiah Martin should be able to get some pressure and get in the backfield. The problem is Oregon doesn't give up sacks. They've only allowed one the entire year. Because Bo Nix can run. Um, these are two teams that combined have allowed, I think, eight sacks total on the season. They're number one and number two. Utah's allowed nine, and they're number three in the conference. So two teams really good at protecting the quarterback. And if they can get three rushers to have big games and not just two, then somebody's going to be open. The problem is they don't usually play those three guys at one time. They usually kind of rest them. It's either yeah, Braylon Trice and Martin or Martin and ZTF or ZTF and Savelle Smalls. So they might want to find a way to put those guys on the field today at the same time. And I just think for the defense, man, they, they've just got to be able to be sound and fundamental when it comes to tackling. And that's been a major problem for them. They, they really have a habit of allowing the three-yard run to turn into an eight-yard run, right? Or an eight-yard run to turn into a 15-yard run. And that stuff can't happen today against this defense. Well, that's for, and yeah, I really just think for UW, the, 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 the key for them today is that they've got to make Oregon what they are, which is a really bad passing team on defense. I mean, they're 120th in the nation in third down defense, whatever it is. There's only six teams in college football that have allowed – more passing yards than they have. And with Roma Dunze and McMillan and Penix and those guys, if they can't take advantage of that today, because that's their bread and butter, then they got no shot. Forget and that was, that was actually my next note on here. Softy was, I think the way to win is a shootout is uh, yeah. just an aerial shootout. Um, and it sounds like you're kind of thinking the same thing there. Oh, totally. Absolutely. I mean, I just don't, I don't see how Washington can slow Oregon down enough. Although I will say this, I, I think that the defense has not been great all year long, but I think they're playing as well as they've played all year long right now. And that may not be enough to beat Oregon, right? Whatever their ceiling is this year for how good their defense can be. I think they're getting closer to it and they're as close to it right now as they've been all season long. They got a bunch of guys back healthy again, including Eddie Ulafosio, who is going to be 
awesome to have him back. Last week was the first time, I think, since the opener, they had played with all four of their starting defensive backs, including Dom Hampton as their nickel. So they're as healthy as they've been all year long. But, yeah, I, I think you're right, Abraham, that if they're going to win this game, it's going to be a you know a 41-38, 45-41 yeah. type game. Uh, let's say if UW does lose today, is this still a successful season or a season yeah. of what? What, what what might have happened had we beaten ASU or UCLA? Yeah, no, I think if you win today, or excuse me, you lose today, you're seven and three. You beat Colorado, you're an eight and three football team, and then you win the Apple Cup and you're nine and three, and then you win your bowl game and you're ten and three. Yeah, I think that's a success when you were four and eight. I mean, look, you're four and eight a year ago. A bunch of guys transferred, including Terrell Bynum and others. Uh, Taki Taimani, who's playing defensive line for the Ducks today, by the way. Then you brought in a bunch of new guys. You had to reset the culture. Uh, ingratiate a bunch of new leaders like Michael Penix, a bunch of transfer guys like Wayne Talapapa and Jordan Perryman. And to go from four wins to nine or 10 the next year in year one, I don't know how anybody could not look at that as a success. That's actually, I'm glad you brought up Talapapa because um, he, he and Michael Penix were a talent, huge talent infusement on offense. And then right. it makes me think, oh my God, where were we last year? Like how bad did it get in yeah. two years under Jimmy Lake where you had to go out and get, uh, you know, leftovers, scraps from other teams right. and it's still better than well, I, I, Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that we've talked about is I don't know what the hell Jimmy Lake was doing the last couple of years, you know, when it comes to recruiting. Um, I mean, look at the cupboard that Mario Cristobal left Dan Landing in Oregon versus the cupboard that Jimmy Lake left Kevin DeBoer at Washington. And Mario obviously took off, uh, you know, on his own volition to go to Miami and Jimmy was fired, of course, but um, yeah, they're going to have to hit the portal again, probably if Michael Penix takes off to the NFL, which I think he will, you know, they just uh, last year was a cluster in regards to coaching. It was a mess. The system was broken. The guy had no right to be the offensive coordinator at Washington. They were using players wrong the entire year. Yeah. Um, like, you know, Brian, you know, a guy like Max Borgie, for example, imagine oh. if Mike Leach or um, Jake Dickard or whoever was using Max Borgie as a power back and running him up the a gap every drive. I mean, that's not what he is. He's a guy that right. you want to get into space. And Sean McGrew was the same <clears throat> way. He was the same type of player. And the way they used him, like he was freaking Christian Okoye was ridiculous. <laughs> so they never should have been four and eight a year ago, but obviously, I think right now what you're seeing shows that last year was just an abomination scheme wise. Right on. Uh, this is the last question then uh, about the game, and then Brian's got a special question for you after that. Uh, but I'm just going to ask about your uh, about your prediction if uh, if if the Huskies get on top early. Yeah. Um, is it, are we going to not, are we going to not do what Peterson did? I think DeBoer's a different kind of person. I think he'll keep the pedal to the metal. Absolutely. No, you can't, you can't give up against these guys. You can't start getting conservative against Oregon. Go ask Brian about when Wazoo blew that big lead in the fourth quarter, right? Mm -hmm. Against Oregon. I mean, you think Oregon has shown they can come back from a double digit deficit? Of course they mm -hmm. have. So I think that's just ridiculous to think that, the coaching staff would say, hey, we're up 14 nothing or whatever. Let's lay off the gas. No, no, no. You, 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 you play this game, the entire game, like it's tied or like you're down and you have no choice but to score points. You cannot score enough points in this game today yeah. against the Oregon Ducks. So I think you keep bombs away and 
I don't even know if Oregon's secondary is the defense that you'll go bombs away on. It might be just death by a thousand paper cuts and eight, nine, ten yards at a time through the air, which is fine by me. I think you can control the clock and keep Oregon's offense on the sideline and throw the ball at the same time if you're Kayla DeBoer and Ryan Grubb today. So yeah, I mean you 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 get up early. And to steal a line from Karate Kid, you sweep the leg. <laughs> you, you, yes. you put him in a body bag, man. You take <laughs> their soul. There is not any way where you can possibly score enough points today. Right on. Um, last question. Uh, it's like 20 lines long, so I'm going to try to summarize it to the best I can. But I, I love how that you have mad respect for your parents. And first of all, we want to say sorry for your loss of your father Thank this past you, summer. Would you tell us a little bit about how you had such a wonderful re- relationship with your mom and dad? I mean, maybe share a story real quick. Yeah. Well, first of all, I was lucky. Uh, you know, showing her a picture. I got all kinds of photos here. This is my mom and dad at Super Bowl Forty Nine. Uh, oh, nice. That's the one against the Patriots, obviously. And yeah. The interception pretty much happened right there on that goal line. As uh, <laughs> did Jermaine Curse's crazy catch. All that yeah. happened right in front of us. So. I was glad that we were able to at least get to one together. I, I, I wish they'd won the damn thing, but you know, um, I, I'm lucky that I'm almost 50 years old and I've never had to move. You know, I've been here my entire life and my parents moved out here in the early seventies from Detroit, Michigan. They were in New York and then went to Detroit and then came out of here after graduating from the U of M. They both went to Michigan together and then they went to Washington together. So my parents have degrees from both Michigan and UW, which is kind of a weird thing come Rose Bowl time. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, they've been here my whole life. I've I've never been, you know, a thousand miles away or whatever from my mom and dad. So always got to do cool stuff with mom and dad. And we went to Griffey's Hall of Fame induction together. And dad and I were at the Luis Soho, everybody scores game in 95 against the Angels. And all kinds of hot games, trips, things like that. So I, I I think just being lucky, Brian, that we were in the same area and never more than, you know, 25, 30 miles away from each other was really a blessing when I go back and look at it. But yeah, that, that was, uh, I'm glad that I would never had to move because I, I can't imagine how people do it when their parents are, you know, getting older and struggling and they're a thousand miles away and, and they're not there to help out. So I get how frustrating that can be, but I never had to deal with that luckily. Right thank on. you for sure. Thank you for sharing that. Well, we're at the we're at the end of our show here. Uh Softy. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> You've been amazing. We've loved this. Yes. We've really enjoyed this. Um Softy, if there's uh, uh we always end the show on a shout out if there's a person place thing, you know, Ooh. force in the universe that you want to uh give thanks to. We always like to end the show uh with such. But first, uh where can people find you? Uh, they can find me at Softy KJR on Twitter. They can find me on 93.3 KJR FM every day at three o'clock. Uh, you download the iHeartRadio app and you can also stream our show as well. Uh, Amazon, you just say Alexa, play 93.3 KJR FM and our station comes up. Google Play, same thing. I mean, there's a million different ways, right, where people can get our radio show. So uh, we went from AM to FM. The signal's a little better. It's a lot better actually in the car. But now that you have your iPads and your iHeart streaming and all that stuff, uh, there's a million ways to uh, to reach us, man. You, you do realize anybody that was listening to that with their speakers on, this podcast immediately ended and switched on KJR on their Alexa. Absolutely. Device. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. Alexa, go back to Abraham and Brian. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Shout outs. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get started. My dad's birthday was yesterday. So happy birthday, dad. He's also, yeah. he's also a veteran. So happy Veterans Day. 
combo to you. Brian, over to you. Uh, my shout out is actually to you, Softie. I had this love-hate relationship with you over the years, maybe because you're not much of a Cougar fan, but I've grown up and matured and <laughs> realized you are amazing. And I, Seth Everett's a fan of the show, and he told we talked to him last year, and he told us a wonderful story about you, about how you know he's from back east and New Jersey, I guess, was playing for the back in 02 or something and then out of the blue you just called him up and invited him over to your house because I mean, he's like i don't know anybody who loves him and softy just invited me into his home blah 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 and just heard other great stories about you and i'm not saying this because you're a guest on our show but i do appreciate you so i just wanted to throw that out at you so yeah well, i appreciate you. that no, i've known i've known seth for a long long time and he's back in new jersey now his his father actually uh same as mine passed away about a year ago um, so, you know, we know how, I mean, guys, you get to our age and this is the kind of stuff to talk yeah. about, right? Everyone's dads and moms and relatives and everyone's kind of getting older now. So it's just kind of part of life, but I will give a shout out to my mom who is, uh, without her husband, without her home, uh, 50 years in the same house, 50 years with wow. the same person. And she lost both of them in a matter of weeks. Uh, wow. luckily she lives in a facility right next to me, a couple blocks away here in Des Moines, so I can see her as much as I need to. But, uh, you know, just imagine when, you know, you're in a house for 50 years with your husband, all of a sudden your husband's in the hospital dying of brain cancer, you're living in a weird spot with weird people, and then your husband passes away, and now everything that you've known for 50 years is gone. So I, and she has Parkinson's on top of that, my mom oh, does. So I, 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 I can't imagine how she does that. I give a shout out to you guys for repping the 206. I'm sorry it took so long to get this thing done. I'd love to do it again uh, anytime, man. Just let me know when I'm here. That's Dude, fantastic. Thank well, thank you, Dave Softy Meller. Uh, and my and on behalf of Brian the Silver Intellect, uh, I am Abraham Deweese. We thank you for joining us. Check out our all our great content at SeattleSportsUnion.com as well. Check us out on Twitter at SeattleSportsU. And uh, check out our podcast on Apple, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Captivate FM, and everywhere else you can find podcasts. And we'll see you guys next time. Yeah. But dogs. But dogs. <laughs> <laughs>